Drew's his friend, which is a, Jeff, you're just, you're a patient man, I just tell you. You have a good friend. She's a good friend. So uh, everyone's invited to that. We have another baptism coming up real quick, too. We'll tell you about that. Children, we have a History Makers team at the back door, Mr. James and Miss Lisa. Um, they are patiently waiting. I hope y'all are as excited today about what I'm doing as I am, because I'm really excited. You know, have y'all noticed, when I was growing up, we didn't have this term. Have y'all ever heard anybody say, we're living our best life? It's usually it's tied to a, a drunken party, or a vacation, or a, a new vehicle, or, you know, it's, it's tied to something always, right? And, and that term, I think, is really a great term. But I want to tell you, there is a best life possible. There really is. And nothing you and I do ourselves can make that happen. Like most of you have been around long enough and have tried enough to know that you can't make it happen. You cannot make someone fall in love with you. You can't make things happen. And uh, so that was last week. I stole this from uh, the internet, uh, not from artificial intelligence. It was on Facebook, the old people's artificial intelligence. And I'm going to beat this in your heads today. So I hope you volunteer to get beaten in into your head. I am not in control. Is anybody in here think they're totally in control? You know, you're real young if you do. We are not in control. But the beautiful thing is, I am deeply loved by the one who is. I want to realize that more and more. Last week we did something uh, may have stretched you, it may have made you mad. I hope everybody got. What we did was, based on a song we were singing to God about how beautiful He is, we felt like the Lord said, I felt like the Lord said, hey, God wants to tell you how He sees you. He thinks you're beautiful. You know how you can tell your value and worth, right? By what price was paid and given for you. He gave the highest price for you, for your relationship, for your face, for your way of thinking, the way you, you dream, who you are. He paid the highest price for you. And last week, I had the women, who are much more uh, willing to do it than the men usually, but I challenged them. I said, girls, men, you're going to stay where you're at. Ladies, I want you to ask God and speak what you hear from the Lord about what's beautiful, what does God think is beautiful in the men? And uh, now, I talked to a few handful of men, but uh, first I'll ask this question. Did God tell any man here in here that he's ugly and worthless and not worth, not good enough? Did God say anything negative or call anybody in here a name when the women, ladies, did any of you ladies do that to some poor guy? <laughs> I might have done it as a joke, but it wouldn't have been, if y'all had done it, the men wouldn't have thought it was a joke. They'd have thought it was real. No. Guys, did any of you guys in here get uh, an encouraging word through a lady last week when she told you what God thinks is beautiful about you? Yeah, just keep your hand up so we can see who did it. Okay, I, you know, almost everybody, if you didn't get a word last week about how beautiful God thinks you are, uh, you, God will give you a word today. He will. He, and he'll be honest. 
I mean, okay, man, I'll ask this question. Um, the words that I got were personally meaningful to me. Like they weren't abstract, generic, oh, you're a great guy, whatever. Uh, it was meaningful words that the Lord spoke to me personally. How many of you guys got a meaningful word from the person who gave you a word? I think God knows what he's doing. And uh, you are deeply loved. It made me mad when Pastor Tim did that little thing with us and said, you go back and remember the first time you felt the love of God. Um, because it messes me up every time I think about it. Like, I've encountered his power hundreds of times. But I remember the first time I encountered his love. Like, I've encountered his power where I've been knocked to the floor. When I thought I would never get knocked to the floor. And I resisted it with everything in me. And uh, the king of the universe decided it would be a good day for me to go to the floor. And I did. And the second time I got knocked to the floor, um, I actually, uh, Randy Boyd was with me, Harvey's son. Harvey and Catherine are out. They're both, uh, they both have been diagnosed with COVID. Uh, Harvey's great, but he did get uh, diagnosed. But uh, Catherine is struggling through it. She's fine, but she's been fighting a battle last week. But uh, Harvey's son, Randy, y'all have been here when Randy Boyd's here. He runs a big ministry in the world, missions. We take up missions for him. And me and Randy uh, are at a conference one time, and this guy was like, uh, Benny Hinn is, you, was really a, a big guy. Y'all remember Benny Hinn? Did you ever see him? He would wear, he'd have a white jacket he would wear. He was very theatrical, and he'd wave his jacket at like 500 people or 1,000 people, and whole sections of people would just fall down like, like dead. And uh, I'd seen Benny Hinn do that on TV. I'd never been with him in person but uh, we were at this conference, and the man leading, doing the ministry time, came out wearing a white jacket, just like Benny Hens. <laughs> then he started waving it at people and knocking them down. Well, is anybody in here skeptical besides me? Okay. I'm like, and I'm standing on the front. I'm, we're sitting on the front row, because we want to be on the front row. I want to be where the presence of God is. I'm on the front row, but I'm like, oh, because that guy wasn't who I came to hear he was just doing that last ministry time. So he's up on this big, it's a big stage to a big room. And he's doing that. And Randy Boyd is standing like a couple of seats down from me. And the guy's like way on the other side of the stage. And we're sitting over here. And he goes, uh, you and you come up here on stage. And me and Randy. And I'm like, he picked two hard ones because we're not going down. And we walked up. And you had like five steps to get up on the stage. It was a pretty high stage. And then you came up next to a wall. And we walked on. And the guy's on the other side of the stage, probably 30 yards from us. And I'm standing here. And Randy's standing there. And then the stairs are like right there. And the guy waves his coat at us. Like, he doesn't come over to us. He just waves it. And I'm like, I'm like. And I, I, I remember gathering myself up. And I stood up. And I looked at him, and then he waved his coat at us again. And I'm like, I gather my wits about me, and I, I'm just standing up strong. And I don't remember if it was two times or three times. I think it was two times. And uh, then he, he waves us down. And I'm like, Randy, we did it. We didn't go down. 
And, but I had to grab the handrail when I was walking down the stairs because I couldn't, I couldn't get down the stairs. We get back to our seats and I sit down and I said to Harvey, I said, Harvey, I didn't go down. He's like, you went down, I think it was three times. He said, he knocked you down three times. You and Randy just got back up each time. I'm like, man, that wasn't pleasant. And the other time I got knocked down by the Lord wasn't pleasant. I felt like I got kicked in the chest by a mule when I finally woke up and was able to get up off the ground. But the first time I felt his love, I remember ending up on the carpet in a public place that wasn't my church, surrounded by a bunch of Catholic nuns and just strange people. And God's love just flooded me. And I, I don't even know how it happened. I ended up on the floor, and I looked down on the floor, and there's a puddle of tears that I cried. And I'm like, God, that changed my life forever. I don't know that, that getting knocked down changed my life, other than it taught me not to resist. I guess that's pretty good. <laughs> don't, don't be rebellious and resistant when God wants to touch you. But uh, when he love touches you, it changes your life forever. And today I want to talk about this. I want us to leave here today believing, yeah, there's things you're not in control of. There's things I'm not in control of. Life is in life. It rains. It storms. The sun shines. Years come and go. And I'm not in control. Even if I want to be, I'm not. But I know that I'm deeply loved by the one who is. So no matter what the storm is, no matter what the news says, no matter what your obstacles are, no matter how high the mountain is, the one who is in control loves you deeply. And he wants you to experience his love. It'll change your life forever. So, and we talked about red letters last week. I talked about this last week when we did that exercise, but we talked about red letters, and I do, I believe that when you want to see who God is, you look at Jesus. When you don't know what God thinks, you, think, you look at what Jesus thinks. When you want to hear what God's words are, you look at his words, and it, and it was, it's in, it's in the red letters in the old version paper Bibles, in the new electronic Bibles, it's usually not red letters, but it's true. Jesus loves you, this I know. And it's not just because the Bible tells me he loves me. It's because I've experienced him. And it, he's, his love buckles my needs. It almost made me. I was like, I'm remembering that first encounter I had with Jesus. And it's hard to get myself together to come up here and preach to you guys. And get my thoughts back together. But he wants you to know that kind of love. And last week, some of you did. I experienced his love last week as ladies were brave enough to try and tell me what the Lord think, thinks is beautiful about me. Uh, that takes a lot of courage for the ladies to do that. And men, we need to receive what the Lord's saying. He thinks you're beautiful. He thinks the way you think is, he's, he's infatuated by your thoughts. He cares about your hurt. He cares about your loss. He knows. He's with us when we go through everything in life. And he loves us. And so he, this is Jesus. This is what I, I look, when I look at Romans chapter 8, I was wanting to talk about it last week. I'm going to talk about it today. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Read what it doesn't say. 
It doesn't say there's no condemnation for those whose lives are perfect. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say there is therefore now no condemnation to all of you who haven't made any mistakes. It isn't it. It says in Christ Jesus. It's in Him. Your everything comes from being in Him. And He's in you. And we tend to look at each other. Listen, I wish, I wish that I could look at every one of you and see you the way, same way God sees you. That's how God sees you. And because it's through Christ Jesus that the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. What's the law of the Spirit set you free from? The law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve ate from in the Garden of Eden. That's the tree of, of, of uh, self-promotion. It's, it's the tree of performance and judgment. The tree that says, I'm not good enough and you're not good enough. The tree that says, you should be ashamed of yourself and I should be ashamed of myself. That's what that tree does. That tree doesn't tell you you're beautiful. That tree tells you every place where you might be lacking or where you're weak or where you're hurt. That tree speaks condemnation and guilt and shame. But there's another tree that the Bible calls the tree of life. And that's Jesus. And that's abiding in Him. And so he says that. He says, there's no condemnation for those who live in Christ. The tree of life is you live there by grace through faith. It's not of works so that no one can boast. And you see, y'all say this verse for me again. I put this verse at the bottom of my slides because I want us to say it together, okay? And I, I want you to get sick of it because it's going to take you getting sick of it to even start believing at all that it's true. So say this with me. I am not in control, but I am deeply loved by the one who is. Everyone in this room, that's true about you. and That's who you are. And I believe God's going to do that. You see, Jesus ended all debate on whether you're good enough or not. He did. Not what you did, it's what He did. He ended all debate on whether you should be condemned or whether you should be saved. He is, His name means salvation. You see, He ended those debates. He placed value upon you that placed you above everything else in all of creation. You are valuable to Him. You matter. And you know what the, the really beautiful thing is? Jesus has chosen a tabernacle that He wants to live in on earth. And it's not a tent made with hands. It's a body. The day Jesus was born, the incarnation, God in a human. God Himself living inside of Jesus the baby. You see, God's perfect place to live is inside of this body. You're what he's dreamed of his whole life. It's like he's been waiting his whole life to be one with you. And that's how Jesus sees you. And I believe that we have to do that. And uh, I love this thing. The law of the Spirit was born in love. For God so loved the world. That's where it comes from. It comes out of God. The law of the Spirit is activated in our lives by, by grace through faith. Not by performance. I said that loud because I want you to get it. It's not by performance. It's not by works. It's through grace. It's grace. You know what grace is? It's a gift. 
You don't do anything to earn it. It's given to you free. And that's how grace comes. Now, how does the law of the Spirit get activated? Is by grace through faith. You See, you know what the battle is? Believing what God believes about you and me. Believing what Jesus did for us is done. It's done. He paid for sin. He set us free. He defeated the darkness. He has set a path on earth for you and I to walk into. And we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And that's what happens by faith. How does that happen? By what we do? It happens by faith. And it's through grace, right? The law of the Spirit is God's idea. It's not man's idea. You know what man's idea is? Self-promotion, striving, works, effort, law, judgment. That's what man's idea is. You've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work hard so you'll deserve God's blessing. That's why I came down so hard on the way we, that song, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. You see, the law of the Spirit is God's doing, not your doing. You know what you do? You receive the gift. You believe. Well, well, Alan, what about our behavior? Your behavior comes out of the grace of God in your life and His power working through you. It's not you. Yeah, but we got to make good choices. you got to make one good choice is to live by faith, depending on His grace. And when you do that, His power gets released inside of you. The, The law of the Spirit is endued with peace, love, Joy, hope, rest, faithfulness, goodness, meekness, self-control, all the gifts of the Spirit. That's what the law of the Spirit releases in your life when you live that way. Uh, The law of the Spirit activates the grace of God in our lives. If you want something to happen in your life, it happens through the law of the Spirit. Now, there's another way to live. You want to live your best life? You live your best life through grace by faith, trusting His love for you and believing what Jesus has done is true. That releases His power in our lives. Or you can live by the other law. There's only two. The other law is the judgment, self-promotion, effort, willpower. It's all about you and what you do. That's what the other law is. And the the ultimate result is failure. Ephesians 1.3. You know, I love, this, I love this verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. I thought to be holy, I had to do something. Um, that would be works. The Bible says that He chose us. He initiated everything. And He chose us to be blameless in His sight. He had predestined us to adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Not through what we do. Not through works. Not through effort. Not through striving. Not through judging. It's through grace by faith. In accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one he loves. Say this with me again. I am not in control, but I am deeply loved by the one who is. Yeah, y'all, y'all are going to have to say that out loud with me or I'm going to come and stomp on you like a... No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, I might embarrass you, but I won't stomp on you. Listen, uh, 
that verse, it says we are saved by grace through faith. Your best life happens when you follow Jesus by grace through faith. That's your best life. You want to guarantee your children's future? Live a life following Jesus by grace through faith. You want to guarantee your future? Live a life. And I don't mean just future going to heaven. That is settled. I mean to live your best life on earth, there's only one way to do it. Or you can live by the law and by works, by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, there's only two, two ways to live. What happens? Because you know what I think a trick is we fall for. You know what happens to us? Most, actually I think all of us do, since the Reformation a long time ago, all of us were saved, right? We were saved by grace through faith. That's how we were saved. That's how you came to know Jesus. That's your day you were born again. That's the day when your mind was awakened and your heart was set on fire and you, 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 you came into a place where it was okay. You see, we all get saved that way. It's the only way to salvation. Then why do we not live that way the rest of our life? You see, most of us get saved over here and then we enter into this world of judgment and striving and law and, and you know, this worried about this angry God that's going to snuff us out. We know our heaven is secured, but we live a different way. And what happens when we separate that? You know what happens when we separate how we lose salvation, the saved by grace, to life by works? How we do that? What it does is it means we're going we're gonna to miss out on living our best lives. We're going to cut short the power of God working through us and in us and in our family and in the world around us. You know, so what happens? We end up in messes. We end up hurting. We end up in all kinds of bondages. Why? Because I'll tell you, the law of sin and death, living by the law, will always produce a harvest in our lives. It will. Now, you, you know, we go to heaven because we, we go to heaven because of what Jesus did for us. And then we think we live on earth by what we do for ourselves. And that's not, a, that's not your best life. Shame and guilt, all those things come with that. You know, because here's the truth. In Christ, Colossians 2.9, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the deity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in Christ in His body. And it's in Christ that you have been brought to fullness. You see, that it's already happened. And He is the head, the power, the authority over everything. So when you're living in Christ, there's no worry, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no striving to become, there's just living in peace and love and joy and faithfulness. But when you live trying to do it yourself, all these other things, you're going to harvest those in your life. Because the law of sin and death always has a harvest. It always does. Now, 
Titus 3, 7. Um, This is what's interesting. So you meet Jesus, we all meet Jesus, and we give our lives to Him, and by faith we believe in what He did for us on the cross, and He rescues us, and He redeemed us. But then we start living not by faith anymore in what He did, but we live by the judgment of what we're doing or not doing, which is the law of sin and death, right? And now Titus, chapter 3, verse 3, says this, At one time... We too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He did that, and so we can now inherit eternal life. Verse 7, we've been justified by His grace we became heirs, hoping, having the hope of eternal life. And that removed us from the law of sin and death. So now we're going to heaven. But that's not the end of the story. So I wrote, I, I wrote this for interesting. The law of sin and death is motivated by fear. If you have a lot of fear in your life, that's a hint that maybe you're living by this law. Fear of retaliation, fear of God's judgment, fear of the future. Are you doing enough that He's going to bless you? Are you not doing enough bad that He won't smite you? That's the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is activated by judgment, performance, and self-effort. The very things that we try to motivate you to do actually comes from the law of sin and death the law of sin and death always leaves us with the feeling we are not enough we haven't done enough we've done too much it always leaves us with that feeling and all he wants I was so happy I got to experience just a little tad little piece of what God experiences yesterday Um, he told me to tell you guys hi and he's going to be back soon Uh, he misses you he really does miss you y'all don't know what I'm talking about Y'all are supposed to read my mind. Scott Lang called me yesterday, and he gets uh, released from his uh, rehab thing in uh, the 4th of March, right? Yeah, 4th of March, and uh, he's good, and he misses you guys. And you know, if if y'all were here when Scott's here, I told Scott, Scott, I miss you. I miss worshiping with you. You know, he's the one who doesn't give a flip what anybody thinks. He's going to worship God fully, openly. And then he's going to hug you and make you feel like a little mouse. Because he's a big guy. He puts his cheek on my cheek. It's overwhelming sometimes. I'm like, Scott, I miss you too, dude. We all miss you at Grace. Now, Scott misses you. I got to see Scott through Jesus' eyes. And you know what Jesus wants? Scott, come home. Come back home. When you walk away from God, you know what he's thinking? Come home. Just come home. Let me hug you again. Let me be with you. Let me experience you. You know? And that's who God wants. He wants to experience us, our unique personalities, the way we think or don't think for some of us. He, he loves it when I drive bad. Were any of you the person who was riding my bumper and hawking at me yesterday?